Welcome to the Managing Happiness Podcast, helping you to find your true purpose, bring out your A-game, and cultivate the right habits. We're interviewing experts, authors, and thought leaders who are here to share their tried and tested methods that will help you to thrive in life. Here's your host. Welcome, everybody, to another Managing Happiness Podcast episode. Today, I have the pleasure of having Michelle Dickinson on the podcast. Michelle is a workspace mental health strategist and resilience coach. She's also a TED speaker and she's an author. And we will nerd out on mental illness and how to manage your happiness today. Michelle, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, David. It's a pleasure to be here. I just had a very brief intro for you. Would you mind coloring in the blanks? Yeah, sure, sure. What you're doing. Sure. I get to, every day, I get to help people, whether it's through my resilience workshops within the corporate setting or it's one-on-one resilience coaching. That's what I have been doing. I started my company a few years ago with the mission to really help people not struggle. I think people forget that there are things they can do to preserve their emotional well-being. My goal is to preserve emotional well-being and prevent people, more importantly, from suffering in silence and isolation and shame. So I really am out to expose this conversation about mental health because I've personally been deeply affected by mental illness. That's definitely needed in today's world and especially in the workplace. Because if you have a good culture, then it's fine. In my business, I'm big on having a very good culture. Culture goes hand in hand with trust. If you have like a trusted environment, a safe environment, everything goes. Right. I just shared with you before the call that my right-hand man in product and marketing at my last business is also dealing with manic depression. I also had him on the podcast. We talked about this. Yeah. But I can see how this is in other companies. It's a real issue or just not only in companies, also just like in society to feel ashamed or not to share it. You know, nothing good comes from it. With everything, especially in the managing happiness, when we in our group cohorts, when people just share on like what they're going through, it's like often yes. like, oh, I'm not alone. Like everybody deals with the same shit. You know, it's like, it's not, yes. I mean, not everybody, but if you have 10, 20, 30 people together, you always find somebody who goes through the same stuff you're going through. And this makes it just so much easier to deal with. And also like this peer learning, like, hey, I'm dealing with this. Yeah, I had this too. And I did yeah. XYZ to get better. Yes. It's that relatedness, right? Like there's something so powerful about feeling related to feeling like, oh man, you get me. You understand. You felt what I felt. Oh, wow. So you now are subliminally giving me permission to actually identify and talk about it myself. So I always love when people have that courage to go first. It's powerful. Yeah. I always like to be vulnerable and real. Like, hey, Michelle, how's the weather in Jersey? I like, who cares about this? You know, so when I travel, when I meet new people on a plane or wherever, I always just go deep, vulnerable. And if you, you repel the people who are not a good fit for you and you pull the yeah. people in that are a good fit. And most of the time it, it works, you know, so there's always something where, where you can connect and then help each other. Yes. So I'm curious in terms of mental resilience, what would you say are like the top tips or things that people can do to become more resilient? This is such a big topic. People think that there's like a recipe, a formula. And I do have strategies that I share with my one-on-one clients, strategies in my workshops. But I think fundamentally, we have to recognize that, you know, our ego can create this big barrier between us and other people. And as human beings, we crave connection. And I think when you think about resilience, you have to also think about 
who are you connected to? You know, are you able to be authentic? Are you able to be real? I mean, I think that's the first step is knowing who you are and knowing who you can trust and be vulnerable with. Some of the things that I share in terms of tangible things to do to bolster your resilience or preserve your emotional well-being is the first thing is taking inventory. If you're not able to connect with yourself and understand how you feel and your routine is such that you just rush into your day and you don't even feel how you're feeling, well, you're setting yourself up for a time when all of a sudden you feel really bad. So if I say that every morning, if you can get up and you can really like check in with yourself emotionally, say, how am I feeling? Am I not feeling great? Okay, well, what is it that I know to do that's going to actually help me feel better before I slide south, right? So do I need to get the run in? Do I need to go and see my best friend for lunch? Do I need to have a cup of coffee and talk on the phone to someone that I love and, and I can actually vent to? These are little micro things we can do to actually help ourselves before we hit a point where we're like feeling like we're in trouble. The other thing is our society has us, a combination of our society coming out of COVID and the fact that the mind is wired to protect you and not make you happy all creates this focus on what's wrong, missing, or bad. So I'm an advocate for reflect on the abundance you have because it's very easy to have your mind go, this is missing, this is broken, I got this problem I got to fix. We are surrounded by abundance. And when we can pause and really get present to all the good that's in our life, we start to fill ourselves. So remember that energy goes where our attention flows. So we really get to pick where we put our attention. I wholeheartedly agree with this. In Magic Happiness, we have a Know Yourself document. There's a bunch of things in there, but two are relevant to what you just said. One is we have a restart routine in there. Basically, whenever you fall off the wagon, whenever you don't feel right, there's things that make you feel good. For example, a yeah. few weeks ago, I looked at my stock portfolio and my crypto portfolio, and there was also in two of my businesses, there was something going not so well. I'm like, uh, and I just like didn't feel yeah. it. I thought, okay, feeling in the state, I realized, okay, I'm not in a good state. What can I do to make sure I get out of this? For me, it's like going on a long run helps me like sweating and then just yes. like kind of sorting stuff through. And then the second thing you said, like focusing on gratitude, doing a gratitude exercise, because there's so much beauty in our life. You know, even if my complete crypto photo disappears or my complete stock portfolio, I'm still okay. I still have a roof over my head. We still have enough to eat. You know, I have a healthy body. Yes. I have an amazing wife. I have a few businesses, I have great friends, business partners. We have our dogs. Like I could like go on forever. And as you said, the brain is made not to make us feel good, but to make us survive. And these days, there's not that many things that are threats that stresses us out. Back yeah. in the days when there was a threat, it was like the saber-toothed tiger that's about to kill us and we have to either run or fight. And if we run or fight, this means we exercise and we sweat. And if you sweat, this is why I always like going for runs, you kind of get better because you get rid yeah. of the negative whatever hormones or whatever is yes. still up in your, in your body. And uh, on gratitude, I'm a big believer in gratitude exercise. I have this gratitude rock that I pick up every morning going through the things I'm grateful for. Nice. And during the day, I have it in my pocket, which then from time to time reminds me when I get a little stressed, like, oh yeah, dude, actually everything's fine. You're going to plow through this one as well. Yes. Six months from now, you won't even remember this big problem that you have right now. And then at the end of the day, I take it out and I go through the things that went great. Like uh, you have a great productive morning, I have a nice podcast with you. And at 4 p.m., you might have like a 
an argument with my wife or prominent employee or whatever or a customer and I think like everything sucks but it does not you know there's still so much good stuff and kind of building up this gratitude muscle over time led to real emotional resilience for me personally right but you know it's something that people need to recognize the little bit that you do every day can help build that muscle I tell my clients all the time you have to address this every day, even if just for a few minutes, because you're going to start to retrain your mind, retrain yourself to be aware of how you're doing and to be present to the gratitude. And that actually is going to help you throughout your day. So don't just try it on every now and then, like try to adopt a consistent practice. Yep. Habits determine everything. Yeah, man. (laughs) My brother was clinically depressed for a very long time. I've always been talking with him about like, hey, how about you do this or that, you know, test out this, etc. And nothing really helped. He was always looking for like the big home run, you know, just yes. like press this button and then everything magically yeah. works, you know. And then we came in a discussion, we had the idea like, hey, it's actually pressing lots of little buttons all the time. Yes. You know, kind of like it's a little habits. It's like having this morning routine, doing this, doing that, having these good habits on a regular basis. And then, then this helps you to be stable and be good. And since then, he's been like really thriving. And before we thought like, you know, okay, this will never be good, but has been for a very long time. He's been very stable and back to work and productive. I love that though, because you got him to think differently. I think we live in a society where everything can just be fixed quickly. You can go buy something, you can go take something and everything is fixed. But it's so great. You got him to realize that those micro changes can yield really big results. It's so great. Yeah, very happy that he came out of this. Even though I was like really hitting my head against the wall because sure, it was a, sure. a difficult case. Sure, I'm sure. <laughs> Since we're on topic of managing happiness, what does managing happiness mean to you and how do you manage your happiness? So you're talking to a woman who struggled with her own bout of depression, who's an entrepreneur. And I think when I say entrepreneur, it's like a roller coaster of emotions every day, any given week. It could be a good week. It could be a rocky week. So I know the power of a routine and I, and I am relentless about that. Like I make it a point that every morning I get up and I do a small meditation. I do my gratitude journal. I make sure that I connect with people that I love, make sure that I have that connection. I think also we can never be too curious. So for me, I've done a lot of self-discovery work, self-development work. I've been in clinical therapy, but I just recently put myself into a total immersion retreat weekend. And I think that that curiosity to keep growing and to keep learning and to keep discovering ourselves is where the happiness is because the more comfortable and more familiar we can become with ourselves, the freer we are to just be who we really are at our authentic core. So I think it it does lie in the ability to be more and more authentic, but it also requires us to keep becoming curious about why are we the way we are? Why do we think this way? What else is there? What else is there to get? What would happen if I removed this thing called ego altogether? Would I really be able to return to my purest state of love? You know, so it's an ongoing journey really personally for me. Yeah, I have to sticker love and not fear. Which is my mantra, you know, so kind of like yes. always making decisions, love and not fear. Yes. As you said, reflecting and kind of figuring yourself out is, is a very important and powerful thing if you want to manage your happiness and be happy. I have a lot of reflecting questions or coaching questions that I ask myself every month. There's like different ones for every month, every week, every day. 
I'm curious mm -hmm. if you also have like some clarity questions that you ask yourself on a regular basis. For me, it's more of getting present to how I'm feeling and getting myself to be more connected to where I'm going. I think we oftentimes can get bogged down with day-to-day -day dreams if you're not careful. So I try to get myself present to like, what's my goal? What's my vision? And am I moving toward that? And check in, does that still light me up? Does that still get me excited? Because if it still lights me up, then I'm on the right path. But if it's not, or there's something missing, then I get to kind of look in the mirror and say, well, what is it? Should I shift? Should I pivot? Through my morning meditation, I get to check in with me. I get to check in with how I'm feeling. I get to check in with what's there for me to sort of feel. So that's just a little bit of how I deal with it. You mentioned vision. Do you have a written down, clearly defined vision and mission for yourself, for your business? I do. I have a vision board and I have a vision statement and I know where I'm going. So that helps. Absolutely helps me. I always share the story because I think it's so cool. In Managing Happiness, we also do a vision board exercise with people. And one mm -hmm. of the participants put this like fancy supercar on this vision board. And four weeks later, after reflecting more, he's like, I don't know why I put this thing there. I don't even like cars. It's kind of like so many people are stuck into what society or the parents or somebody else puts into your head. It's like this is what counts. And yeah, kind of realizing what, what you actually really want, what's actually your mission or vision, kind of what lights you up, what's actually really fun to you. Yeah. And then for me, it's, it's also about trusting the journey, right? Like we can check in with ourselves through meditation and get quiet about sort of how we're really feeling, but it's also about trusting the journey, right? Knowing that where you are in a particular moment is where you're supposed to be. There's something for you to get. So my vision board is funny. I have like all kinds of things on my vision board and I do look at it every day and I do try to connect to like what it would feel like to be, do, or have those things. And it's pretty magical to just allow the process to unfold. I've been doing vision boards for many years. And for example, the vision board in 2012, like everything on there is here. Wow. The house I'm living in looks very similar to the one that I have on there. For example, I had Richard Branson on there because I just like him as an entrepreneur. And even not even thinking about this, but now I have 10 companies. And he also has like, you know, with the version group, he has like all these different companies. And yeah, just a few more things, but everything happened. If we go there in the mind, we go there in the body. That's what they say. What you said before, like also what you, what you focus on, you'll attract. Yes, for sure. But it also reminds us that it's a choice what we choose to focus on. We can choose to focus on the things that are a burden to us, or we can focus on the things that we want to create. It's like the pen is in our hand. What's a typical client for you? What goals do they have and how do you lead them to, to these goals? Yeah, so I do workplace resilience through workshops, but then the one-on-one -on -one resilience coaching I'm doing is really for people who are struggling to find balance, struggling to avoid burnout. It's a very common thing we're hearing more and more. We see burnout all over the place. But these people are literally like walking through life completely unconscious. They're just going through the motions. They're just working, working, providing for their family, working, and they're not really living. So the folks that I've been able to support are ones that are really on the brink of burning out and have lost themselves. So I just literally sit down and have conversations with them about what's working and what's not working 
and we shift. We shift what they want versus what they have through my resilience roadmap that I have. And they slowly start to feel better and they get momentum and realize that there's more to life than work. There's more to life than, I guess, surrendering your life to a job. To some degree, I'm, I would almost say I'm, I'm a workaholic because I enjoy working so much. <laughs> so I guess also you can find, you, have, you can have a job or you can have your vocation. You know, if I get right. up in the morning, I'm excited about what I'm doing. You know, I could I almost have a hard time going to bed at night because I could continue doing it. Not because I have to, right. just purely because I want to, because it's fun, you know, kind of like sure. being a kid building something. Yeah. So when you work with groups, because I have, as I mentioned before, I have several companies and yeah. Lots of people. We're over 500. I would love to take some ideas from your resilience training and pass it on to our HR team so they can implement this as well. So yes. how do you do these workshops? It's a combination of things, right? The first thing is it's not always a comfortable conversation to talk about our emotional well-being amongst our peers, right? So you have to really identify like what is the current culture and are you having a trusting relationship between people, leader and employee? Or are people just sort of very, very much about work and that's it? Because they don't feel like it's even something they want to bring to the table at work. It has so much to do with the culture. The one thing that I'm really keen about doing is just an overall well-being assessment so that they can see that they're not alone in their struggle if they're struggling. Right? So I do this assessment. It gives us insight into the culture, gives us insight into really how people are faring, especially coming out of the pandemic. Because a lot of people are, they're diminishing how they feel because who are they to complain? Everybody's gone through the pandemic, but they don't realize that how they experienced it and the residual from their experience is so unique to them, yet there are common themes. So the assessment really gives them sort of an understanding they're not alone. And that goes back to what you said earlier about people need to feel like they're not alone. So we do that. And then the workshop is really I'm giving them tangible strategies, tangible things they can do to just slowly start to feel better, feel empowered, feel balanced. And then I normalize the conversation around brain health because, listen, the DIY to preserving your mental health might work for some. It might not work for others. And a clinical therapist might be something that people need to tap into. But they're never going to tap into it if they just don't have a healthy relationship to their own brain. So I try really hard in the workshop to just normalize the conversation. The brain is just another organ. Why do we shy away from acknowledging if we need a little bit of support? So that and then I leave some really important mental health and emotional well-being resources if they don't want to tap into their company resources. So that's really the crux of it. But the tips themselves are really practical daily strategies they can apply. A lot of people should lose the fear of asking for help. A friend of mine is a coach and he has heard this plenty of times that people come to him feeling like they're failures because they have to ask for the help of a coach, similar to something's not right with me. But kind of yeah. seeing it like every top athlete has a coach, you know, so right. why should not every... right? entrepreneur or kind of everybody that is struggling with something or everybody who wants to get better at something. Right. Why can't you just right. happen to somebody who's been there, done that, who has the right resources, tips and tricks, or can ask the right questions to get there faster? Right. Why struggle? Why spin your wheels? 
life's too short. And if your joy is compromised in any way, I always say you don't deserve to live a life that doesn't contain the joy that you're capable of. This is actually why I started managing happiness in the first place, because I was mm -hmm. like so focused on work. This is like a crutch for me to still have a happy family life and nice. you know, have a good relationship with my wife and my daughter, etc. Yeah. So it's just, I know myself, I just enjoy working so much. So I have like my calendar and I live by my calendar. So there's like family time in there, there's lunch in nice. there, there's working out in there. And also it's kind of like it's all blocked out to make sure I'm actually giving all the areas in my life that I want to show up well in the proper attention and time and block out time because otherwise work would always override everything. Of course, you need that connection to your family. That connection is everything. That's where we fill our bucket, right? That's where we fill our bucket to be able to do the things that we love. I mean, connection is, is everything, especially to someone we love and enjoy and appreciate. Michelle, since I guess you probably have like a wealth of tools and books or resources that you can recommend for our listeners on the topic, on sharing some of them. There is an amazing book by Louise Hay. I'm a big fan of Louise Hay, Esther and Jerry Hicks. Louise Hay has a book called You Can Heal Your Lights. And it's a powerful book. I love it because she really maps out for you that whenever we're having a physical issue, there is a metaphysical connection to our emotional well-being. She has something called the emotional guidance system. And so if you looked at her emotional guidance system, the lowest frequency is depression. The highest frequency is joy, knowledge. It's love. And love. Yeah. Love. Yeah. Had to be love. Yeah. But we glide across that continuum every day. And it's a really important thing because that's our vibration as well. And we like attracts light, right? So if we're down in like the lower frequencies, we're going to attract more of that into our life. So just the awareness of how we're really doing is so important. What I personally love is when I have a physical ailment, I know that there's a connection to something going on with me emotionally. And so she maps out in that book a beautiful correlation to body parts. It's that specific. So there's a lot of sayings in German that kind of relates to stress leading to physical ailments. Yeah. But so often people are only looking at the physical ailment. Like they're just like, I have to go to the doctor and get the pill or get the treatment and then I'm okay. And I always say, why don't you just take a look about how you're really doing emotionally and see if there's a correlation. Like my girlfriend has a shoulder issue. So I sent her the information about the emotional connection to her shoulder. I didn't tell my friend that this was the reason her shoulder is struggling. I said, just become curious to see if there is some truth behind that, right? Reflect. Reflection is everything. I would even go so far in this like probably super unpopular opinion, but my father and my mother passed away from cancer. My father fairly young at 46 when I was 12 and my mother maybe nine years ago, 10 years ago. And I think they passed away because they were not happy at this time in their lives. That's kind of like that they wanted to go. And if you want to go, your body finds a way to terminate yourself. You know, if this makes sense. The same thing with my mom. My mom was bipolar. And I remember distinctly a week before she passed away, I said to her, how are you doing? And she said, I don't know. The days they come, the days they go. And within a week, she was gone. My mother, we lived in America already and we met like a family reunion in, in Istanbul. And on this trip, she told me like, I don't know, I want to go away. I want to like 
and Germans like little difference. Basically, kind of, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm like, what the heck does this mean? And one week later, she was diagnosed. It's uh, kind of funny or not funny how this works. Well, what the mind can conceive, it will achieve. And if you've resigned yourself about your life, like it's sad. Yeah. Also, circle of life. You know, it's. I, I always like if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. You know, if I would think now, like, oh. She was such an amazing person. She would be retired. She'd live in the other house that we have here. And, you know, my daughter would learn so much from her. Then I'll be in the depressed state versus if I think about like, hey, I'm so grateful that I had this super cool person in my life. That's, you know, kind of changed the game. Right, right. I have a book. Yes. I wrote a book called Breaking Into My Life. And it's about my mother and really life loving and caring for someone with a mental illness. We'll definitely include this in the show notes. And Perfect. Where can people find you? How can people reach you? The best way to connect with me, honestly, is going to be on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like my second home and I'm always pushing valuable content. I interviewed my own therapist yesterday on my show and it's on LinkedIn. So you'll just go to Michelle E. Dickinson. You'll see me there. And I'm always doing interviews about mental health and pushing out information to help people feel good. Awesome. Michelle, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. You're welcome. If you like this content, please rate us on the iTunes store. It helps us to get more visibility, to reach more people. And if you're interested in getting on your A-game, if you want to dial in your habits, check out managinghappiness.com and join us for the upcoming Habit Challenge.